So I want to ask you a question. It's a deep question. One that might stir up a little bit of emotion in your soul. I, I believe it probably should. The question is this. What are you ashamed of? What are you ashamed of? Shame is a powerful force in our lives and in our stories. So, a little confession. Kelly and I are um, a little bit of kind of Food Network junkies. Lo love me watching some cooking shows, especially the ones that are like food competitions. I just love them. I dig it. I just like so interested in, in the create, creative process, and I love to eat. So sometimes, actually, once in a while, I'll, I'll pick up some little thing, some little trick of the trade, something, you know, like, oh, man, because I, I, I just want some, I just want a flavor bomb when I eat, you know, so, so uh, you pick up some tricks along the way. But I just like watching those. Well, there's a, there's a show that, that I've never seen before until this season, and it's actually not on the Food Network, but uh, it's called Next Level Chef. You ever, have you ever seen that Next Level Chef? Chef Gordon Ramsay, right, from Hell's Kitchen. Uh, this tough British guy, and it's kind of his show. It's, it's, it's actually really well done, uh, and, uh, you know, they're eliminating chefs. They're, they're, main, they're, they're most of the way through the season right now. But check this out. There are times, and I've noticed this about Chef Gordon Ramsay as he's judging the food, along with a couple other judges, He'll get to a particular dish that did not, like, it didn't cut it. A particular dish that just didn't meet that next level chef standard. And you know what, he, I, I've noticed that he says this. He just, he just like looks down at the dish and he just says, oh, what, what a shame. What a shame. Now, we, we know that he's like, he, he's talking about that plate of food that just didn't quite come together like that chef had hoped it would. But then the camera always goes right over to the chef who prepared that, you know? And you realize something quite profound because they're not just hearing, yeah, oh, that was, that was a shame. It was too bad that that dish didn't come together quite like I'd wanted to. No, when they hear those words, oh, what a shame. They're actually internalizing that. Because what they hear in, with their, their ears and their spirit is they're hearing, you are a shame. You're a shame. You should be ashamed of what you just put in front of me. You should be ashamed. I'm telling you, that like cuts to the soul. You know what I mean? It, it, shame is a powerful force in our lives. Oftentimes wielded in really hurtful, inappropriate ways. I, I'm interested in the nation of China and all that's going on is kind of a little crazy. Things that they're doing and the saber rattling and, you know, when are they going to go into Taiwan? It's not really a question of if they will uh, 
come into Taiwan, but kind of more like when. And, and, and one of the things that, that I've, I've read about is that they have within their nation hundreds of millions of surveillance cameras that are used really against their own people. And one of the ways that they use these, they have facial recognition you know, software embedded in these. And so one of the ways that they use this is for public shaming of their citizens. So, because they know everybody, they know who's who, right, in China. They, they, they can tell exactly who this person is. And so if, in one of, the, one of the major cities, if you jaywalk, if you jaywalk, right, you just broke, broke a rule, your name, your face, your ID number is going to be up on this giant digital billboard for everyone to see. What are they doing? They are using public shaming to try to bring correction into people's lives in a really weird way. Listen, we can become filled with shame over all kinds of things in our lives, all kinds of things. Our weight, our height, our nation of origin, all these things can be wielded against us. If we feel that we're smart, or maybe somebody told us when we were growing up, man, you're stupid. And we just take that in and it becomes this point of shame. Sometimes things that were done to us as we were growing up become points of shame in our stories. Sometimes it's things that we did that bring shame. Color of our skin. Too dark, too light, not the right shade. I remember growing up and as a kid, never really thinking about the color of my skin. And then a couple of comments when I was like a young teenager about people who pointed out just how ghostly white I was, that I am. And I'll tell you, it like, it, I don't, they didn't even mean it this way, but it like, it, it like brought shame. It, it like was this, it was these statements like cut into like my soul, like cover up. No one wants to see that pale ghostliness. That's the way I heard it. I mean, so even today, I mean, you don't see me in shorts much, you know, because like no one wants to see that pale, yucky flash. Cover it up. But it's more rooted in shame, right? Because we just, shame is a powerful force. And so we might even come to the conclusion, maybe all shame is just bad. Maybe we should just like absolutely do away with shame. No shame, eliminate it altogether. But that's actually, it's, it, that's not what the Bible tells us. It tells a different story, even about shame. Shame is not a small matter in the Bible. In fact, the English word shame appears 174 times in scripture. 
And the word ashamed appears another 63 times. So clearly the Bible has a lot to say about this topic of shame or being ashamed. In fact, it's the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, who says this, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Meaning like, oh, so there's actually some things that I probably should be ashamed about. And in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says of God's people, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. That as God's people, we come to that place of just saying, I don't want any of that shameful stuff in my life anymore. I renounce it. I get rid of it. I believe that what the Bible actually tells us, not exactly explicitly, but as we read the stories and we read the words through the Old and New Testament, we find this, that shame is a signal. It's, it's like a, a flashing red light. Shame is a signal that something inside of me is broken or is like out of alignment. Okay? It's a signal. Shame signals these things in our stories. But, but here's the truth. Not all shame is the same. Some shame is like totally illegitimate doesn't belong there. Like being ashamed of the, the color of your skin. Like, no, absolutely not. That is such an illegitimate form of shame. Or those things that maybe were spoken over you as a child or growing up or in your youth and but have left this deep mark. You know, you're just not right. You're just out of alignment. There's something about you that is broken. You need to, you need to cover that up. And it's just this illegitimate form of shame. But then there's this other kind of shame that actually is legitimate. You know, and it's mainly based on things that, that I've done. Things, things, sinful things that I've done. Man, there, there's things today that even though I've brought them before the Lord, you know, even, be, even though it's like I've repented, I've repented to people, I've done things against, uh, but... I, if I'll just tell you this one little story, that there was a young lady that, that I was a leader and, and it was suggested that I, I, I talked to her about a particular area of her life and, and I, I was kind of new in this leadership position and, and really didn't know what was up and was, was just kind of like, okay, okay, I'll talk to her. You know, and I, and I, and I talked to her, but just the, the line of questioning like actually was something that I think opened up the possibility of her really feeling shamed. And I recognized that after the fact. And I was so ashamed that as a leader that I had allowed myself to kind of get pushed into a position of, of inquiry on that. And so, um, so I, I was speaking at, a, at an event like probably about three or four years after that, and I knew she was gonna be there. And I was just like, oh, 
God, I've got to just talk to her. I've got to just like repent and apologize. And I was so wrong. So, so I found her. I, I found her at this event. And I'm like, I am so sorry for those words that I spoke. And she goes, Tim, you don't remember? Like you apologized to me for this like years ago. We're good. But it was, you know, it's like, even though it was all taken care of, it was done, I'd said sorry to God, I'd said sorry to her. But man, well, even when I thought about how poorly I'd led in that moment, there was like this sense of shame. And in some ways, that's not all bad. Because you know what it does? It like, it's that signal, it's that red light going, you don't wanna do that again. You, you don't wanna mess up in that area of your life again because it's not right. It hurts people, it hurts yourself, it hurts your credibility, it hurts your trustworthiness, it, it breaks relationship. It's a signal. that Something's broken or out of alignment, but not all shame is the same. And here's the beautiful news. God, in his mercy, his grace, and his power, he can free us of all shame no matter what the source or origin of it is. It's in Romans 10, 11 that Paul declared this. He said, whoever believes in him, whoever, would you say those words? Whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. There is a way that God comes into our stories and I, I love this, that Jesus, when he went to the cross, he didn't just take our sin to the cross, he took our shame to the cross with him. He took that, that we might be fully healed. Now, into this conversation on shame, the apostle Paul drops this thought. Okay, it's from Romans, chapter 116. You go, Pastor Tim, we're reading 260. We're not reading it in Romans. We'll get, we'll get to the book of Mark in a moment. Long prelude. Romans 116, Paul says this. He says, I am not, come on everybody, ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Man, such a, such a powerful statement that he makes here. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. It is the power of God, the gospel itself, the good news of Jesus that like we can have new life in him, that I can be made whole, like a new creation, born again from death to life. Woo! It is the power of God. The gospel is God's promise to you. The gospel, the good news, is God's promise to each and every one. The new life, Salvation is possible for you and for me. Listen, if there was no gospel, there would be no salvation. If there was no gospel promise, 
there would be no hope of eternal life. If there was no gospel, there would have been no need for Jesus to come to earth. The gospel is the point. It's the main thing. It is the power of God that brings salvation. So, if the gospel is so amazing, why would anybody be ashamed of it in the first place, Paul? Why did you say, I am not ashamed of the gospel? Because if it's so mind-bogglingly wonderful and powerful, the promise and power of the eternal God, why would somebody be ashamed of it anyway? Well, it's interesting to note that Paul spoke those words to the people who were following Jesus in the city of Rome. That was in the first chapter of the book of Romans. Paul wrote this letter to a group of people he hadn't met yet. But he knew about Rome. And Rome, I'm telling you, you know, you may have gathered, if you've ever seen the movie Gladiator, that was actually the season into which Paul was writing to these people who were learning to follow in the ways of Jesus. Rome was extraordinarily brutal, like death for entertainment. It was highly sexualized. There was like rampant prostitution. In fact, it's, it's uh, recorded that, that men of any layer of status could go freely to prostitutes of either gender without any kind of a moral repercussion. In other words, no shame. Oh, just prostitution is, if you're a guy, it's, it's all good. So there was, it was highly sexualized. And it was also, it was very brutal, highly sexualized, and it was actually anti-Christ. The culture itself. Rome had what is called an imperial theology. Like the way that they viewed God was this imperial theology is what it's called. Now they had tons of idols that they worshiped. They had tons of small g gods that, that they worshiped. But above them all, over all of them, was Caesar. Caesar was considered to be God, to be the Lord, like literally like the savior of the world. Those are kind of the types of terms that were ascribed to Caesar. So guess what happened when someone gave their life to Jesus and actually said, no, I am now aligning myself with the gospel of Jesus, well, it immediately declared something. It immediately declared that they were becoming disloyal to the state. If I'm now loyal to the gospel of Jesus, I am breaking my loyalty to Caesar. Well, there's consequences that come with that. And I believe that in many ways today, friends, that our culture is becoming maybe more and more like that Roman culture. Like, you know, highly brutal. And we just, you know, have to flip on the news just about any day of the week to see how much death is playing a part within the culture of 
our nation. You know, right now, abortion is headlining the news every day. The culture of death. Guns being used in all kinds of hideous and murderous, inappropriate, just devastating ways in community after community. People live streaming massacres. Brutal. Even turning it into entertainment, hoping that people will tune into the last moments of my life. Highly sexualized. Probably don't need to talk about that much because we just know this is reality. Like the pornification of our world, of a generation, is becoming increasingly anti-Christ. Like, no, if you claim loyalty to the gospel, man, you are just out of alignment with reality. You are out of alignment with the way that we think, the way that the world should work. You are out of alignment. And that's like more and more and more common. People that like literally hate Christians who, hate, who believe that the message of the gospel or somehow these gospel people are becoming a threat to their philosophy and view of how life should be. And so just like come down with, with hate. It's anti-Christ in the way that our culture is being formed. And it's, it's like more and more. So the darker the days get, guess what happens within our own soul, within our own story? So we become, can become somewhat fearful, somewhat doubtful. That hate bumps up against us and we're like, you know, that red light starts flashing. Like, man, is something like, is something wrong with me? Is, some, is something wrong with the way that I'm perceiving the power of the gospel? You know, is, it, what's going on? But like, we can, we can actually turn to shame and become people who feel shame-filled about saying, I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. We can become ashamed of him. We can become ashamed to be one of his gospel people. I believe that that's why Paul said, friends, come hell or high water, you need to know something. I'm not ashamed. And you know that actually was in Rome that Paul actually lost his life because of this kind of statement. He was, he was killed for this statement. Because he knew the power of the gospel and it was even greater than life or death here on earth. We've been reading in Mark. If you're part of our church family, you know that we're doing this reading plan that, that we developed called 260. Going through the 260 chapters of the New Testament and right now we've been reading a chapter a day, Monday through Friday, through the book of Mark. 
and I, I'm skipping ahead, man. I, I can't even, I, I've been just preaching. I, I've totally lost myself in my notes here. <laughs> Is that all right? I found, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> I think that when Paul stated those words, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I think he was really in his mind, he was thinking of something that Jesus had said, captured in the book of Mark, chapter eight. Jesus said these words, he said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Whoa. Strong statement, Jesus. And we can picture Jesus, man, just love. Just love you. It's all good. <laughs> Jesus says some really hard and challenging things. We can't skip over them. And it sounds, when you, when you read this, and go ahead and put that scripture back up for a moment from Mark 8, 38. It sounds, I believe that he's again speaking right into our hour, just like Paul was. Why? Because he's, he's talking to people who are in the middle of an adulterous and sinful time. You know, we're just like that culture is broken and and the days are dark and evil. I believe that Jesus is speaking this to us, friends, even as the days get darker. And he asks us this question, will you be ashamed of me? Will you be ashamed of my message? This is not the only time Jesus made this kind of a statement. You think, okay, well, maybe that was just a one-off thing. Maybe Mark was having a bad day and just wanted to like reflect on something hard Jesus said. Now, Matthew captured something almost, well, very, very similar. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Matthew captured these words of Jesus who said, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Being ashamed of Jesus is like equated with denying Jesus. But acknowledging him is really being equated with like this public acknowledgement. Like, like no, I, I, I am a follower of Jesus. And like publicly, yikes. Letting people know, this is who I am. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. In other words, there's like, there's no secretly saved people. It's like we can't be secretly saved. It's either part of our story that we will willingly tell people or not. Jesus is not being harsh here, friends. Jesus is being real. 
He's stating what's real. Like you're either going to be hot or cold. The book of Revelation, it's like, either be hot or be cold. Don't be lukewarm, like in the middle, like I'm not sure. Is this a safe space for me to say that I'm not ashamed? He says, if you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. So he's not being harsh, he's being real. Because he's talking about life and death issues. Not some weak sauce, feel good theology, (laughs) right? Listen, remember Jesus' words. John 15, 18 and 19, he says, listen, if, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Oh, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world. So guess what? It hates you. <laughs> Listen, Jesus did not sugarcoat reality. He's just talking about what's real. You're either still part of the world or you've said, no, I have renounced those former ways in order to come to the cross and receive forgiveness and wholeness. And he took my shame along with my sin. (laughs) So good. So it comes down to this. Because of his love, Jesus laid down his life for me. So the question is, will I stand for him? Each of us is gonna have to decide if we're gonna stand with Paul in that declaration, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So I wanna kind of close and wrap up with this thought for us. So if we're not to be ashamed of the gospel, how should we live? If we're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel, well then Jesus, what kind of like stance should I take? Because we see a lot of people taking all kinds of stances even in the name of Jesus and not all of them are healthy or good. The opposite of being ashamed, I believe, is not to become proud. There's a lot of people who name the name of Jesus who like, I've got the truth, you don't got the truth, and I'm gonna shove your face into the truth. I'm just gonna like beat you up with the gospel because I'm right and you're wrong. But you know what? We don't see that in any way, shape or form like through the New Testament or when we read about how we're to have the ways of Jesus in our lives. So pride could sound like, well, maybe that's the opposite of being ashamed. Instead of being ashamed, I'm gonna be that's not the ways of Jesus. I want to suggest to you that I believe that the, the way of life that we should walk in instead of being ashamed of the gospel is that we should have a renewed confidence. A confidence. Something maybe even a, a little bit of a, of a holy swagger. <laughs> that's not based on pride, at all, because I do know my brokenness. I do know my stuff. 
but one that's marked with like joy, one that's marked with a humility of life, one that is marked with an assurance, man, of what we were just singing about this morning in our worship, that I know who I am because I know who he is. And so I'm defined by his promises to me. And so I can walk in this confident, joyful, yet humble assurance, this confidence in who I am because of who he is. This is, friends, countercultural, but in the most beautiful ways. Because I believe that people who walk in that type of joyful, humble, confidence, I believe that they're really attractive in our culture. In many ways, they're few and far between. Because like I was saying, I think that oftentimes when people feel ashamed, they want to like take on that opposite thing. They want to take on that pride. They want to mask a sense of brokenness when that red signal light of shame maybe starting to flash and like, no. So I even think of things like you hear about in the news, like Christian nationalism. I, I honestly, I think that those kind of things are dangerous because what they actually do is they're, they're taking up something other than the gospel in order to say, no, this is what I'm about. I'm not gonna be ashamed. I'm gonna like go, you know, I'm gonna go to the streets and march because people are trying to take away the rights of our country and our culture. And it's like, and listen, there's an appropriate place to do all of our civic duty and all that, but listen, but if it's not marked, number one, by the power of the gospel, our, our anger Our venom, smash mouth, theology, like we're just gonna like tell the world they're wrong. Well, listen, they they don't believe in Jesus anyway. So they're gonna do all kinds of broken, dumb things because that's what they know. That's what they've built their life, the foundation of their life on, of course they are. But if we don't come with this different spirit, this confident spirit that no, that God has promised us his love, his salvation. Adam and Eve, you may remember, is a really interesting thing that is said about Adam and Eve. You go all the way back to Genesis. Before sin came into the story, there's this little interesting phrase that says they were naked and not ashamed. It's, it's actually like so freaking beautiful. That little phrase when you think about it, because for us, when we're exposed, there, there's this shame, like, you know, do we feel? Simple reminder, sin will always bring shame. Sin will always steal our confidence. You know what the gospel does? It restores that in 
a beautiful and powerful way. You can keep your clothes on, however. We're still living in a broken world. But the shame is gone. I want to finish with this last scripture. It's from, written by John. <laughs> the disciple that Jesus loved. I mean, he loved them all, but John has that title. So close to Jesus. And it's in 1 John 4, 15 through 17, we read these words that John wrote about the one who is the lover of his soul. He says this, all who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them. Just pause right there. I mean, just think about that. This, this idea of all who declare that Jesus is God, have God living within them. Declaring the lordship of Jesus in our lives, that's like the gateway. That, that's the gateway of entry into relationship with God is that declaration. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them. Listen, confidence booster, like in the biggest way possible. Why can we be confident? I got God living in me. Oh, and I love this. And they live in God. My life is hidden in him. He goes on and says, we know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. Again, this is John. This is like the disciple that Jesus loved. He says, man, I put my trust in the love that God has for us. So then he goes on, he says, so we will not be afraid. On that day of judgment. But we can face him, how? With confidence. Because we live like Jesus here in this world. Confidence. Because of who he is. Because of what he has promised. Because of his great love for each one of us. We do not have to live ashamed. Now, I can't promise, nor would I want to, that living life shame-free for the gospel is gonna be easy. In fact, as the days get darker, (laughs) you know, will there come a time when people are killed because of their declaration that I'm not ashamed of the gospel? Well, we don't have to really wonder about that because right now, if we went to different parts of the world today, that's happening. So we don't have to wonder, will it happen here? Mm, Yeah. We don't know when, we don't know how long it'll be. But listen, friends, we need to like prepare our souls and, and understand why this is important. I'm glad it's not today. I'm glad that we live in a nation that we can proclaim that I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. Let's pray.
God, thank you that you came to restore the confidence that was lost so long ago through sin. Lord, thank you that you went to the cross not only to take my sin, but actually even my shame. Whether it's all that illegitimate shame that I've carried in my story just because of my own broken humanity or because I'm not perfect. Or maybe it's even that legitimate shame, things that I'm ashamed that I've done. Things where I've hurt people, where I have broken trust, where I have broken relationship, where I have sinned against you and others. Lord, thank you that you came to take all of that. That I can live in this way of restored confidence. Not in myself, but in you. Lord, I pray, Lord, for strength. I pray for courage. And I pray that a confidence won't come because of how strong we think we can be. Like our own power, our own strength, our own might. But Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we can be confident because we have declared your name. I mean, this is a really good opportunity right now. That if you hear those words of John that say that all who have declared that Jesus is Lord, they are the ones that have God living in them and that they live in God. And you just go, man, I I don't think that's me. I don't think I've done that. I don't think I've made that statement or declaration. Now, what a great time because you're in the safest, non-shaming place in the world right now to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I do declare that Jesus is Lord and he's Lord not only of the world, he's Lord of my life. I declare him to be my savior, my Lord. I wanna live for him. I want him to live in me. And if that's you right now, would you just like look up at me? Would you wave at me and say, just by your raising your hand saying, pastor, that's me. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. I agree with you, yes. Yeah, yeah. Jesus knows your heart. He knows that, that cry of your heart. That you are making him your God. Now, Jesus, I pray, Lord, for the healing by your power of any point of shame, Lord, in our stories. Lord, we give it to you and say, God, heal, free, restore, Lord, so that we can live a confident life in you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Thank you, Lord. We've got a prayer ministry team up here. I don't know, man, something that I said probably did stir up some old memories, some things the like, man, I just want to have someone pray with me about something. I know in my own life, it did this week, even thinking about these things, because shame is such a deep, powerful force in our life. If you want prayer, do not leave without getting prayer. 
And if you're someone who said, I am making that declaration that Jesus is the Lord of my life, man, we'd love to, ha- to be able to pray with you as well. We actually have a little gift for you. We have a, a little booklet that just describes what it really means to say yes to Jesus. We want to gift that to you. If you don't have your own Bible, we've got Bibles that we give. It's one of the greatest things that we believe that we can do as a church family is put Bibles into people's hands so that you can read God's word is on your own. Join us in our 260 reading. We're in the book of Mark. You can get more information on that online on our website. Just look for 260 at sm4.org and uh, church you are loved looking forward to being with you again next Sunday go in peace go in love go in confidence